Well, as you can see, we're starting just a little different this morning. I'm out here at a place where, uh, there, you know, there's a little bit of a pollution problem going on here. And, and that's because today we're going to talk about the, the pollution of murder. You know, I, you know, I got to stop. You know, I digress here a little bit. But when I think of pollution, there's a commercial that, that comes to my mind. Commercials are crazy, right? I mean, no, no big news point for me here to say that uh, commercials kind of can stick in our mind, whether they're silly or serious, uh, a product we use or don't use. I mean, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Uh, not a product I use, uh, kind of cheesy, but I'll carry that commercial to the grave. But no, the commercial I'm thinking about, though, is uh, I think I was six years old, and it was uh, more of a public service announcement. And, and it was about pollution and, and keeping America clean. America the beautiful. And it's showing this beautiful land, but then it's starting to show how pollution happens. And, and I think there's even a car that goes by and pollution comes out. You know, somebody throws garbage out the window and it lands at the feet of this American Indian. I'm, I bet some of y'all remember what I'm talking about. There, there's this American Indian in traditional Indian garb. And as he as he sees this pollution, there's this tear running down his eye. Gosh, that had an impact on me. I I didn't want to make that American Indian cry. I could never throw anything down again. I got, I got to find a garbage can. Well, you know, uh, even with the fact we still have some pollution issues, America's a pretty clean place. I, I'm guessing that commercial worked pretty good. I mean, if you've ever traveled to other countries, and I'm not just talking about third world countries. If you've, if you've traveled to other countries, there's a lot of garbage. People throw stuff down. You wonder, how can they do that? Uh, I think maybe we need to send our American Indian over to him. Wow, I've really gotten off topic. So anyway, pollution. You know, when you think about pollution, it really is an overall effect. If you're talking about little pieces, I mean, yeah, they're by definition pollution. I mean, I look at something here, well, like this. Okay, this is, this is, this is by definition pollution. But kind of small and insignificant. I mean, if this was laying in your front yard, you you might not even do anything to pick it up. You'd mow over it, I guess, at some point. And then there is, uh, well, okay, something like this. I'm guessing if you found that in your yard, you well, not only would you pick it up, but you'd probably be a little irked that somebody threw it there, wouldn't you? I mean, what's this doing in my yard? So I, I I'd pick it up. But but then there's another kind of pollution. You know, there, there's a toxic pollution, something that's that's dangerous, that's even fatal. And maybe it's getting into our water, our land. And, and, and man, when we look at that, we, we not only think that needs to be cleaned up, we actually think, hey, somebody needs to be held accountable for that. Well, hey, could I switch gears on you? Let, let's think about sin kind of like we do pollution. Now, part of what I'm saying here I don't think is biblically accurate because I'm kind of going to be talking about how sin might be insignificant. And, you know, what the Bible teaches is actually that all sin has the power, has the ability to separate us from God. Now, there's different consequences for sin in this life. And in other words, there's a different consequence for lying to you and, say, murdering you. But both the lie and the murder can separate me from fellowship with God. So now that I've clarified that, you know, if we were, where's my, where was my, okay, here, this one. Isn't this the one I picked up a moment ago? Okay, we might think of that as gossip. I mean, gossip for a lot of us is 
we hardly even count it as a sin. Just like we hardly would count this by itself as pollution. I mean, it is sin. The Bible says it's sin. But we don't even, not only do we do it, we don't even feel that convicted about it. We, we probably rarely even say we're sorry for it. We just, you know, no big deal. But then there's maybe something like, okay, this, that piece of garbage I had a moment ago, that's, uh, let's say that's slander. You know, I mean, I'm in a conversation and I mean, I'm really tearing somebody down. I'm really, I'm really trying to get you to hate them as much as I hate them. And, you know, maybe I leave that conversation and I think, man, that wasn't right. I, I, I was wrong in what I said. I was wrong in my motivations. And I know, hey, so, somebody needs to pick that up. I need to confess that. I, I, I need to make that right. And then there's like, well, that really toxic waste. That, hey, that's, that's, that'd be like murder, right? Hey, that's wrong. And, and somebody needs to be held accountable for that. Now, the interesting thing about pollution is it's really not the individual piece, e even the really toxic one. No, pollution's not an issue of one item. Pollution really is an issue of, you know, paper and cans every day, all day, millions of people putting it out there, lots of toxic waste. Now we have a pollution problem. Well, you know, when you think about the, as we're gonna see in a moment, the, the pollution of murder, it, it's not one act of gossip or one act of lying or one act of slander or even one act of murder. It's what happens when hundreds of millions of people are all together contributing every single day and it adds up. And guess what? Now we have a pollution problem. Now we have a culture and, and this is going to be hard to clean up. Pollution is a mess. Well, good morning, church family, and good morning out at Midlothian. It's good to have you joining us. You missed us a little earlier. We celebrated Mike Osborne. I know Sue is out there with you guys today, and uh, Mike and Sue have been with us for 20 years of ministry now, and uh, we sure have been grateful for them. So I hope, I hope you'll love on Sue a little bit out there today. Folks, a passage we probably don't get to a lot and kind of what led to that, that video you just watched, Numbers chapter 35, Numbers chapter 35, it's the fourth book in the Bible, verse 33, Numbers 35, verse 33, it says, you shall not pollute the land in which you live, for blood pollutes the land. And no atonement can be made for the land, for the blood that is shed in it, except by the blood of the one who shed it. You ever heard that? Ever thought of that idea as murder, as pollution? Because that's, that's what God says here. He says, hey, people, murder is polluting the land you live in. It pollutes your community. It pollutes your environment. And kind of like I just said there, I mean, we, we get that, right? I mean, we're not debating that murder's of no consequence, no big deal. No, murder is that kind of standout piece of pollution, that toxic, poisonous pollution. And, and we would all say, oh, that, that, that's wrong. We, we need to find out who did that, that they need to be held accountable for that. But, but then Jesus comes along, and I, in a passage I, I've always struggled with a little bit. I would imagine I'm not the only one in that. 
And, and, and he tries to say, hey, you know, guys, there's a lot of things actually that in time and over time kind of lead up to the same level of pollution, the, the same level of toxicity. When it all adds up, it's going to create and build the same environment, the same problem. And you know what? While y'all are quick to point out murder, you don't, you don't point out these things. You, you don't recognize that, that these things need to be cleaned up. And he, and he said it to his followers this way in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. He says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. You know, I, I, that's the passage. I, I, I don't know how many times I've read it in life. I, I don't disagree with it, but yet I... Really, Jesus? I mean, clearly, you know, lying to somebody or insulting somebody is not the same as murdering them. I, I, I mean, I get that, you know, sin's bad. You don't want me to do these things. But, but, but Jesus, I don't really get the point you're making here uh, about insult and, and murder and that they kind of lead us to the same place. Until God married for me Matthew 5, 21 and 22 with Numbers 35. He brought that idea of pollution because pollution is not usually about just one thing. It's, it's not about the, the impact of one lie, one insult, one moment of anger. And, and don't hear me minimizing. Don't, don't hear me dismissing the impact of one lie, one insult, one moment of anger. But I, I think what the passage is trying to draw us to, what Jesus is trying to say, hey, do, do, do you know what happens when your one lie joins, what, 380 million other lies today? Do you know what happens when your one insult joins, I don't know, 1,400 other insults at school today? Do you know what happens when your moment of anger joins, I don't know how big your place of business is, joins 75 other moments of anger today? Lies, insult, rage. Lies, insult, rage. Over and over, every single day, it's building an environment. I mean, we know that if, if I take this and throw it down, I mean, by definition, that's pollution, isn't it? We all know that that's, that's pollution if I walk off and, and leave that there. But now, let's also be real. This isn't destroying the planet. Not, not one bottle all by itself. This is, this is not destroying the planet. Ah, but you know what? If this joins a couple hundred other million bottles today and tomorrow, and well, then all of a sudden I'm a part of the pollution. Does that make sense? Well, then it should make a little bit of sense when Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? You're actually a part of the murder. You're, you're actually a part of the murder. You're, you're a part of the problem. And you and I have got to take serious what it means, what it looks like to clean up. 
I mean, it's in this mindset, it's in this understanding that the scripture says, man, you've got to put away, you've got to pick up that garbage, you've got to throw it away, anger and malice and wrath and slander and the obscene talk and the lying to one another, you've got to pick that garbage up. You've got to, you've got to pick it up, you, you've got to throw it away, you've got to stop saying, my, my one piece doesn't matter. Do you not hear Jesus in Matthew 5 saying, yeah, it kind of does matter. Your, your one piece absolutely does make a difference. Now, you know, my, my guess is, because I, I, you know, I actually do think very highly of y'all. <laughs> my guess is I am mostly in a room of people that don't want to have out-of-control anger in their lives. You, you don't want to be malicious toward others. You don't want obscene talk pouring out of your mouth. I mean, you really do try to control that. That's not something you want to characterize you. That's not how you want people to see you. And you, you got that under control a lot. <laughs> but there's a person for most of us, isn't there? There's a person, maybe a a couple of people, a a, a situation. And honestly, and and we would never verbally say this. This is not how we're thinking it, but it is how we're acting. You know what? They deserve to be lied about. Now, I I doubt any of us is trying to justify our lives, but it really is how we're acting. That person, that they deserve to be lied about. They deserve for me to exaggerate about them. They deserve the gossip. They deserve us getting together and talking about why we don't like them and and why we want to bring them down, tear them. They kind of deserve it. And God, surely, surely you see the evil of that. You know how I express this? It's almost like you and I are completely innocent, isn't it? That's a little fantasy world we live in. But that's not today's sermon. Good news. So let's go with the thought that we really actually are innocent. And this really is about the wrong, the harm, the evil of that other person. And so, you know, you look at God, how, I mean, you see what they've done. You see what they're like. How are you going to say me insulting them to somebody or, or talking? I mean, how do they not have it coming? Okay, well, we just heard God say, you need to clean this up. But God doesn't stop there at cleaning up. He actually charges you and I to go back out into the world and landscape and, and to plant and, and to build and create a brand new environment. He says, hey, listen, as you go back out there, I want you to put on, a, a, look at this, as God's chosen ones. Do you, do you understand? This isn't an assignment to humanity. Hey, humans, be kind and smile. No, it's not an assignment to everybody. That would be a good assignment to everybody. But in what God is about to say, he is specifically speaking to you. You're you're the chosen ones. I mean, you're the ones who get it. You get that I'm holy and you get that I've called you to be holy. And you're striving after that holiness. May not always be on target, but it is is the goal, right? And, And you're the ones who are, well, you're my beloved, Gosh, folks, you and I, we don't enter the world every week fighting and clawing for love and value, right? No, we, we don't do that because we already know how deeply we're loved. 
We already know the value we have in God and, and before God. So we don't have to get out there in that mess and fight like that, trying to get love and, and value. No, we, we don't have to do that. So as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts. Be, be kind. I see the verse came down. Would you put the verse back up? I'm working with it still. Does it, can it come back up? Okay. Be kind, but humble. Look at those words. Meek. I like that phrase, bear with one another. That's a real fancy way of saying, yeah, you need, you need to put up with it. That's what bear with one another means, right? Put, put up with them. Forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you. You know, if you're not quite sure what all these words mean or what they look like, hey, here's the bottom line. Just put on love. Let the peace of Christ, not, don't let their deservedness navigate your heart. Don't let your frustration and anger in the situation navigate and direct you in what you say and what you do and how you act next. No, let the peace of Christ. Well, why do I have peace in Christ when they're acting like Because I'm loved and I don't have to do anything to worry about that. I'm loved. I have value. My future. It's all secure. I'm at peace. So I I should have then the ability to navigate this, to let let that peace navigate my heart. Now, there's a, there's a lot of words up there, isn't there? A lot of words, different ideas. I mean, we, what does kindness mean? And I'm not suggesting you don't know, but we could talk about the definition of kindness, the definition of humility, the definition of meekness. We could break down what it looks like this week at work, at school, wherever. Okay, what does it mean to be kind? How do I act meek? What all the, but you know, I want to, instead of focusing on each word today, I want to just pull out one phrase there, forgiveness. And I'm, I'm going to kind of set that word, not above the other words, but first in order. And I'm going to do that for two reasons. One, just practically speaking, if you, if you stop and think about it, if you don't forgive, you're not going to be able to do the other words, are you? I mean, if I'm angry at you, if I'm embittered to you, being, being kind, hey, I can fake it, right? Hey, I think every now and then there's something to be said for fake it till you make it. But do you... But do you sense that that what God is saying? That as a good Christian, you'll go out there and fake the kindness? I think God has in mind there that you and I are actually being like full-on kind. And, And so see, if I haven't forgiven, hey, kind, meek, humble, those are hard words. So the first thing I got to deal with is the hurt and the bitterness and the frustration that I have with you. The forgiveness has to happen first, practically speaking. But the other reason I kind of pull that word or that phrase out is it's the only word in the list that's elaborated on. Forgive as what? As the Lord has forgiven you. I've always read that to understand because, I mean, folks, obviously, if we're talking about forgiveness, we're talking about something that hurts, right? We're dealing with something that's going to be difficult. I mean, every now and then we forgive somebody of something that's kind of no big deal. But most of the time, if we're really struggling and fighting with that word, it, it, is, a, it is a big deal. And so when I see God so often with the word forgiveness in the New Testament, add that phrase, as the Lord has forgiven you, it's like he's reminding us, hey, by the way, I'm not actually asking you to do anything that I didn't do for you. You're not, you're not being asked to do anything that you're not completely dependent upon me doing for you. And if we're being honest, we're also dependent on others 
doing for us. Because we all need forgiveness, right? We all need it from the Lord, and a lot of times we need it from each other. So don't get the idea that, that God is giving me, giving you some outlandish, unfair thing when he says, forgive. No, you ought to really understand this because you're totally dependent upon it. And so when I take that idea, I kind of, I kind of think of it like this. As that person is making me, <laughs> that's not really an appropriate word, isn't it? Because nobody makes me do something. No, nobody makes me sin. I choose sin. But we'll go with this thought for today. When that person's behavior, their actions are making me lie and gossip and slander and, and blow up, I kind of see that as the Lord has forgiven you to stop, make me stop and look at them and realize the, the need in their life. One, they need Jesus, right? Or perhaps they have Jesus, and that, that's when it gets really hard, right? I mean, I expect sinners to sin, <laughs> I, I expect people who don't know the Lord to kind of be mean-spirited and not to know what to do with the anger in their life. But when a believer treats you that way, I mean, we have a little bit higher expectation, right? And the higher the expectation, a little bit deeper the hurt can go. But I'm looking to say, hey, either this situation, either A, they need the Lord, or B, they need to be walking closer to the Lord. Uh, who in here does this not describe? Who, who in here at Midlow, watching online, who, who, oh, I don't fit into either one of those categories. I, I know the Lord and I walk with him perfectly. There's like, there's like just nowhere that I need to work on that. You know, what's funny is you and I will, will often say very freely, we'll, we'll go to life group in a moment and say, man, I want to follow closer to the Lord in this decision. I want to follow closer. And I mean, we'll lift it up. For, do, do you realize in every place that you and I are not following close to the Lord, somebody's paying for it? I'll be honest with you, I didn't put that thought together until I was kind of thinking through this message. Wherever there's a decision, an issue, a response that I'm struggling with trusting God with that, I'm, I'm struggling with following in his steps and that somebody around me is hurting by that. And the hurt may be very, very minimal. They may not even know. But if I'm bringing something less than the Lord to the situation and the relationship, then that means that situation and relationship has a lot less now, Right? My, my wife, I mean, anytime I'm not following the Lord, I mean, she's the closest. I mean, I spend the most time with her. So she clearly is going to feel things because of places I'm not following the Lord. So when you and I say, yeah, I need to grow. <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah, I need to follow the Lord closely. Boy, I'm not trusting him that much. Folks, people are paying for that. Now, the only reason I take time to, to elaborate on that is because that's the same as the person that's hurting you, right? They either need the Lord or they need to be following the Lord much more closely. And so, again, while these words are difficult, understand, you're not being challenged. You're not being called to be something and to do something that you're not desperately in need of God being and doing for you and quite often others being and doing for you anybody in here need somebody to put up with them to be patient with you yeah we, we, we all need that at times so so here we've got this you know this this bad person in front of me this bad situation and and so we've looked at two passages 
We've got, on one hand, God saying, hey, you need to throw this garbage away. There, there's the anger. There's, there's the malice. I mean, folks, when we know those words are wrong, but when we grab a hold of them and when we, when we use those words, what do we think we're building in that? When, I, when I'm, even if I'm entirely justified with those words, I'm building darkness. With those words, I'm building an environment of death. Or I come over here and I use these words, kindness and meekness and humility and, and putting up with. Well, what do you think those words are building? Those are the words for building life, right? And see, the, the reason we don't acknowledge this is because for the most part, we don't believe we're building anything, do we? We really don't. I mean, my, my little word, my little response, good, bad or good, I'm, I'm, I'm not building an environment, I'm not building an environment of death. I'm not building a culture of... I'm not, not, not in that little response. I'm not, I'm not destroying the earth. I, I just left it on the picnic table and it fell over. I mean, come on. That's not ruining the earth. But what am I building by leaving it there? I'm a part of the murder. I'm a part of the pollution. Hear Jesus in Matthew 5.21 saying, your little words, your little actions, your little things of no consequence at all. Yes, they are. Every single one of us is building an environment every day this week. Every single one of us. So this past... uh, series this past four weeks I have I have used a phrase that I, I don't I don't think I hardly ever use in preaching. I, I've used that phrase speak life, right? I mean you, you you know all preachers have little little words and phrases they use no matter what the topic is, right? I mean if you've been around here much, you know oh, Randy always says it this way or always says that. Sometimes it's really meaningful, sometimes you're just laughing at me. But by the way, you're the same way too, right? We all got little catchphrases. Well, speaking life is not one of my little catchphrases. That's, that's not something you hear in about every seventh sermon. But I've said that almost every week the last four weeks. Speak, speak life in, into this environment. We're all building an environment. We need to speak life. And I, I got that. I took that. If you remember the first message, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 to 20, that, that tells us, and, and if you remember that message, it really, it's coming at the end of a, of a section that started in Deuteronomy 27. So there's about four or five chapters there that are saying, hey, life and death is being set before you and you're going to choose. You're going to choose whether your life experiences life or death. You're going to choose whether your home has an environment of life or death. You're going to choose whether your neighborhood, your, your, your culture, your school, your job. You're going to make the choice of the environment that is, that is being built there. And we make that choice. What did, what did Deuteronomy 30 say? It said you're choosing life when you love Jesus Obey Jesus and hold on to Jesus. That means every day, all day. And you, you, you can't say, try to think once a day what it means to love Jesus. You, you ought not be able to count the number of times you thought today. Am I loving the Lord in this response? Am I loving the Lord in the thoughts in my mind right now? You know, I wonder, 
I wonder if the scripture says something specifically about, about this issue. Am I obeying God in how I'm looking at this and how I'm doing this? How do you, how do you hold on to Jesus when you're, when you're frustrated like this right now? When you're scared? How do you hold on when, when you're angry? What does it mean to hold? And, and folks, you and I are working through those ideas, working through those questions all day, every day. And as we're trying to work through it and live it, we're also speaking it. We're speaking it into every conversation we can. I mean, folks, we're trying to infuse those ideas, those questions from the stranger to the person we love the most. We're trying to infuse those ideas because those are the words, love, obey, and hold on. Those are the words that choose life. I want to build life, right? I want to build life in my life. I want to build it in my home. I want to build it in my community. Those are the words that do it. But there's a word that comes before those words. I don't want to say it's a bigger word. I don't want to say it's a better word. I don't want to say it's a more important word. It's just the word that comes before them. Because you see, the reality is, I don't have within me the motivation to all day, every day, ask what loves God, what obeys Jesus, what holds on to Him. I, I don't have the motivation to do that. And even less than the motivation, I don't have the wisdom to rightly answer, the power to rightly act in light of the right answer to those questions. I don't have that without what? Jesus living in me. I've got to have Jesus living in me. I've got to have God inside me to be able to rightly love, obey, and and hold on. So the word that comes before those words, and praise God this word exists, gospel. We need the gospel. Do you understand what I mean when I say that word? Have you received the gospel The work of God, the love of God, the gift of God. Have you received the gospel into your life? Can can you share the gospel? Can you share with some of you? I want life for my kids. I want life for my best friends. Can you share with them how they can know God's love and forgiveness for all eternity? Unconditionally. Can, Can you share that? Folks, as we look at a culture of death, and whether I've convinced you that we live in one or not, here's the little curveball now at the end of four weeks. We've never not been in a culture of death. It's not just America. It's not just 2018. Everything on this planet dies. Everything we do in this culture, we are moving toward death. And you and I have been given, dare I say, a weapon. We have been given a very effective tool to answer, to address death. It's the gospel. The gospel is how we address it. You know, there's a verse I love. I would imagine many of you love it. And as I've worked through this series, I have come to appreciate to love this verse anew and afresh Romans 1:16 I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for what for salvation Do you know what salvation is 
It's rescuing somebody from death. Rescuing them from physical death. Rescuing them, more importantly, from spiritual death. No wonder Paul would say, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of the gift I've received. I'm not ashamed of the gift I share. For it is life. Have you received the gift of life? Are you sharing the gift of life? Because we're all going to build an environment this week. Let's pray. Father, I pray you would give us a new love and appreciation for the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news that we can be rescued from sin and death and hell. And that in that rescue we can share it. Oh Lord, everything on this planet dies and it dies because of our sin. And we all, we all, every single one of us, God, may we see that we all contribute to everything dying. We all contribute to why things are broken. Why things hurt. Why things fail. Every single one of us is contributing to that. Oh Lord, may those of us who've received the gift of life in Jesus Christ... Have an entirely new reason for why we exist on this planet. To build and to share life. To build and share life in our marriage, in our singleness, in our poverty, in our wealth. To to do it in school, to do it at work. To share life on our worst days, to share life on our best days. Oh, what an opportunity as we move toward eternity. May we be found faithful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.